All right, this is episode six of the Breadcrumb Study Podcast. Also, part two of James's story. If you checked out episode five, you listened to part one where we did a study through the scriptural data for James, Jesus's sibling, one of his four brothers, and what his take on Jesus was before encountering the risen Jesus. He clearly had a change of heart if you take a look at church history and the rest of the scriptural data, which we'll discuss and look over today in episode six. But it's quite telling some of the language and the details around the scriptures we looked at in episode five that suggests James was skeptical. He thought Jesus was loony, crazy, and provoked him, mocked him, was ashamed of him. And we want to look at today some scriptural basis for a change of heart, a transformation that um, lasted till James's martyrdom. He died for his faith. And we want to start in the most fitting place, which is 1 Corinthians 15, where this all began in episode 1. This early account of the empty tomb is followed by a list of appearances by groups and individuals. And in verse 7, it says, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. James, the Lord's brother. Jesus appeared to James. So in this list of appearances, we don't have only followers of Jesus during his three-year ministry. We have someone here who was not biased towards Jesus. He was skeptical. He was someone who opposed Jesus's message and was frankly ashamed of the way he conducted himself in society. So that's very telling when we want to test the credibility of an account is do they have a motivation to speak positively about the person central to the, um, the text? And James did not, prior to his encounter with the risen Jesus, he was not biased. He was uh, not a follower of Jesus during his ministry. But something happened. And I want to look at more texts. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. This is heavy. It says in Acts chapter 1 that before Jesus ascended, he gave instructions for his followers to go to Jerusalem and wait and pray, and to pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to appear and to endue them with power, and from that they are to go throughout the whole world as witnesses of the risen Jesus preaching his message. Now, in Acts 1.14, we see the demonstration, the obedience, the carrying out of this instruction to wait in Jerusalem and pray. It reads, With one mind they were all continually devoting themselves to prayer, and it wasn't just the twelve. It was women followers, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and notice this last group mentioned, his brothers. And you know who's included in that group? James. If you look at part one of the James story, we mentioned a text that actually names his four brothers, Jesus' four brothers. And James is one of those four. 
And those brothers are present carrying out the instructions that Jesus gave before he ascended to heaven. Now, why would they do that? Why would his brothers, who were once skeptical, once opposed his mission and ministry, why would they now be obedient and in fellowship with other followers um, in prayer, waiting for the Holy Spirit as Jesus instructed? Why would they do that? Let's look at some more um, unique details in the New Testament scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5 says, Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? This is Paul writing in the same letter that we started our base text, 1 Corinthians, but this is chapter 9, verse 5, and Paul is talking about his freedom and liberty and the genuineness of his apostleship. And he says, don't I have the right to take on a believing wife? And then he makes mention of some people who are leaders in the early church and have also taken on, taken on Christian wives, believing wives. And in those examples, he lists the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas. You know who's lumped in in that group known as the brothers of the Lord? James. There are four brothers, and James should be included in that. And Paul says, don't I have the right to take on a believing wife just like the brothers of the Lord have? Now, let's do some deductive reasoning here. If the brothers of the Lord have taken on Christian wives, isn't it plausible to conclude that they themselves are Christians? Because it would be quite strange for a first century Jew or a Jew of any time that was devout, that was orthodox, to take on a wife to enter into marriage with a woman who is of a different faith than they themselves are. It would seem safe to suggest that the brothers of the Lord have now um, been transformed, that their worldview, their belief system is now different than it once was like through their upbringing, through their childhood, through their life before Jesus. Now... They are devoting themselves to prayer, waiting for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ. And it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that they have taken on believing wives, Christian wives. And Paul is saying, don't I have the right to do that too, just like Jesus' brothers did? So it's a brief mention, but 1 Corinthians chapter 9 seems to suggest that the brothers of Jesus, who were once skeptical of Jesus, are now Christians. This is incredible because they have entered into marriage with Christian women. Look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 19. It says, But I did not see any other of the apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now we've been looking at this mysterious meeting in Galatians 1, 18 and 19. And in verse 19, James, the Lord's brother, is lumped in with a group called the apostles. James, uh, Paul, forgive me. Paul is including him in the apostles. So we understand Paul's understanding of James at this time, writing Galatians, and even at the time of the meeting, his understanding of James is that he is an apostle in the church. 
the global church, the greater church. And in Galatians 2.9, it says, And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, Paul, James and Cephas and John, who were reputed to be pillars, they had the reputation of being pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. This is incredible stuff. Paul understands James to be one of the three pillars in the early church. How far has James come? And I want you to think about that. I want you to reflect on yourself. If you are a believer, if you're in the faith, I want you to know God has brought you so far. You who were once a far off, who were once an enemy, who were once a mocker and ungodly, in that hour, in that time, in that state, Christ loved you, and he has appeared to you. He has made himself known to you. He's made himself known to James. And in this amazing encounter, we understand that James is new, and he's different. And he has a lot to say to Paul in this meeting in Galatians chapter 1. Next, we're going to look at Paul and Peter, and I'll see you then.